And welcome to Craggy Island Rugby, the European edition. It's myself, Alan Deegan, and we've got William Davies here. Bayan coming with their third team front row and 11 changes from last week against almost a full-strength side. Yep, absolutely. To uh, quote Pat Spillan, I'm expecting muck ball this evening. Uh, a win, a bonus point, no injuries and move on. Um, there's not much more you can say. I think we've over-selected a bit here. I'm really surprised how strong we are. I think you have to cut your cloth a bit. They really didn't seem to be doing much in their warm-up in the pouring rain. So, um, yeah, we're, we're uh, suitably not very excited. OK, William, just gone 20 minutes. We've managed to get our first try at a match, but we're still losing 9-8. We're just waiting for the conversion. Yeah, it's been a uh, very, very, very strong wind has made it a little bit tricky. Uh, but they've come and played a little bit of ball. The loss of Mick Kearney seemed to unsettle us a bit, but we're back in action a bit now. And I think uh, when this conversion goes over, uh, that might settle us down, get into the lead. Um, a lot of penalties on both sides, slightly fussy referee. And in fact, the penalty that has an excellent conversion considering the fact he's kicking it into driving wind and rain. So 10-9 uh, up and uh, no time to move it on. Half time, we're winning 15-12. Um, the worst half of rugby we've had all season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, certainly the worst half at home. Uh, we've been off the pace, half a step behind all the time. I think they will now settle into it playing with the wind, but we've just been uh, nowhere near uh, what you would expect. No precision, uh, no pace. Uh, just poor. Yeah, well, let's see. We did get two tries, so hopefully we'll, we'll have the wind in the second half and we'll uh, kick on and get the bonus point. Okay, William, 60 minutes. We've just come back in the lead for the third time. Every time we start the conversation, we've just gone into the lead, but it's it's not great. No, it, it's not great. It's still a very shaky performance at times. I think we haven't adapted to the conditions at all, um, which is very unusual for the home team. This is just a proper sports ground night. It's, it's very windy. And we're still half a step off the pace all the time. And they're well up for this game. They've actually come and, and they've kept going. And that's Bundyaki picking up a loose ball and screaming down to score his first try. We'll chat again at the end. Only one more for the bonus. OK, William, final score, 42-19. Um, we got there in the end. Yeah, we got there in the end. Um, they sort of ran out of steam, as we all thought they might do at 60 minutes. The yellow card came at the right time, especially after the lucky try for Bundyaki. He was a bit of a... picked the ball up in midfield and did show a clean pair of heels, and after that we just, just closed it out. OK, we're up and running. Welcome to Craggy Island Rugby. Alan may well have said that already. already he looks disgusted with me for even suggesting that he hadn't introduced the podcast. Uh, William Davis, welcome back. Good evening. Uh, Alan Deegan, welcome along. Hiya, Rob. Dave Finn's here. Indeed I am, Rob. I'm not a Georgian, no matter how much you consider myself to be one. Fair enough. And uh, Lindy McKenzie's here and uh, in good form. As always. As always, yeah. Thanks for coming along. Thanks for joining us. Okay, let's start with an argument that happened in the press room between Dave Finn and Lindy McKenzie, and it was heated. Dave, Dave, state your case. 
I said my case in the first 10-15 minutes when it was clear that we couldn't kick the ball I thought we were lacking a little bit of intelligence we were trying to do backline moves when it should have been one one man out up the jumper move it out of the 22 take your time grind it out because clearly we couldn't kick and I agree with Lenny in the fact we couldn't kick where we disagree is Lenny thought they fundamentally disagrees with me on the intelligence of that first 10 minutes and I would back Dave up on that completely okay. <laughs> Lenny McKenzie I wasn't talking about, your witness. I wasn't talking about the first 10 minutes I was talking about the first half yeah I we were talking about the first half I'm, I'm, I, I'm backing Lindley up on this <laughs> and I thought Connor played very intelligent rugby in the first half given the fact that Bayon only got two opportunities that entire half to score one was came from a penalty and I think one there was a line out whatever but I think Connett had I thought Connett played very good in the conditions the conditions were so bad they couldn't kick long they couldn't so they had a combination of keeping the ball in hand which they did right from the right from the start they kept the ball in their hands before they could get in to, out close to the 22 before they kicked to get some distance secondly 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 go on go on go, on. go yeah secondly yeah you have your time <laughs> no, secondly, I think they were trying different things, like the grubber kicks along the ground. And if you notice, that's how Bayon started the second half themselves, with exactly the same tactics. But I, I, I didn't think we did enough grubber kick. There was, there was at least three times we chipped over the top into the Bayon, covering Bayon hands, including Mills, who tried it and it just chipped straight into the number eight. That they were, it was the right idea, maybe the wrong execution of the right idea, but they didn't do it very well. And that was that was I got frustrated because I, I just felt that they were trying to be a little too clever rather than and just keep it simple. Like I know Bayon kick, but they were they were intelligent kicks into space. Ours weren't into space. Ours were to where there was people, or where it was obvious there was going to be people. The execution wasn't a hundred percent, but yeah. I thought that I thought the ideas that they were they were doing against the wind were very intelligent thinking. Mm. And as I said, given the fact that Bayon for for having the wind. What impression did they make in that first half? Yeah, well, they didn't have a third team out, really, didn't they? Like, there was, what, 11 changes, two positional changes. They, like, you know, for one thing that I, we got very annoyed about in the second half, their nine, they, they took off their 12, brought on a scrum half, moved their scrum half to 11, their 11 went to full back. There was mountains of space on our side of the field, on the clan side of the field. And twice, if not three times, Jack kicked over to the open side. When there was nothing. There was just no... There was just so much space. It was unbelievable. We didn't quite see something that we could have done. Maybe it was just the weather that was in it and whatever. But it, it just been very critical like we, we won no, I, we won I think yeah. you are being overly critical this is this is a work in progress the yeah. conditions were appalling out they there were, and yeah. in fact they I think as Pat Lamb said they're the worst of the season everyone thinks if all the opposition comes and they think that this is the conditions we have all the time but for Connacht they were they were new conditions this evening they were very bad so well, yes the execution may not have been a hundred percent but I think the way that Connacht stuck to their tasks I thought they played very intelligent rugby and I thought they well deserved their win knowing that they held them out until the second half and had a lead in Lead in the front going into the second half to, to see it out with five tries. Yeah, yeah. Well, William mentioned that earlier that, that you know the 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 point of the wind didn't. Yeah, um, we actually looked as if we were struggling with our home conditions tonight in the wind. Um, I thought it was a reasonable effort. It just needed. It, it looked a bit as if we were just off the pace for all of the first half. I thought we were half a step back all the time. Um, and I don't know who... I suppose, look, he put out a very strong team um, for what is 
a very debatable competition. I don't know what he's going to do next week. Now, does he put out a strong team and write off the Leinster game, or does he... No, that's not happening. No, Even that's... from what he's saying, it's not happening. He's putting out a weak team. Well, then... He's well, a... he's not calling it a weak team. No, but, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it is. Uh, I suppose he wants to keep the home record going. Um... And they did what they always expect to do is tire at 60 minutes. They just started plodding. They they, they seemed to lose their shape when they got the yellow card. And after that, they were um, they were there for the taking. One, one try made a huge difference. Yeah. Their heads really dropped. Which is, again, like in the old days, you, you wore a team down over 60 minutes and then kicked on. And, and we did that. So from that point of view, yeah, I think we did we did well from that point of view. Dave, difference these guys are making now? Molina, Bundy? Oh, huge. In terms of, I mean, sometimes you worry. You get a player... A, any, any sport, a player who's, who's massive experience, massive international, massive talent, drop, comes down to what is perceived in a wider world as a lesser-known club. You worry if they're going to drop, their, if they drop down to the standard of what the club is perceived to be. What we're seeing with Mills, is, certainly with Mills, and we heard Danny talking about it, and it's like, with Bundy, is rather than them dropping to the perceived Connacht standard, Connacht is now raising itself up to the standard, not necessarily of Super 14, or certainly not of international, but up, certainly their standard is reached. So the players out there now feel that they have justified the right to be on the pitch as a hundred capped all back and one of the best centres in in Super Rugby and a very 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 good and very very highly rated and possibly the highest rated non-capped hooker in New Zealand the Connacht guys the local boys I mean we have guys from Roscommon Mayo Galway on that team Sean Henry from Sligo we know that there's guys from all five provinces and suddenly you think they're, they're reaching into it and their local pride has been combined with the fact that they now can justify the fact that they're on these pitch with these guys yeah. so we cannot I mean when Dan came it raised it to a certain level but the rival of Mills and it's a confidence boost things Danny gets two tries Dave Mack is a, is a fantastic where we all love him but he doesn't score tries he does tonight and it was obvious and he also creates two tries and I think possibly the only thing that was down in this game in the second half was you, you saw, I didn't see the bounce you saw the bounce if that bounce the ball had bounced right Mills gets to try this place yeah. just goes mental yeah, yeah. it was a weird bounce it kicked off that ground because the first bounce you were just like oh this is going to be not a try at that point Linda you've, you've seen Connick develop through the professional era and with regards to what these guys are bringing you know Brett Wilkinson had a line the last day this is a typical Connick performance in one sense that we're a bit scrappy against a team we should be beaten but it's so not typical in the way we've put them away and scored five tries well, I think that's where the confidence comes from, from players like uh, Mills, Mulyaina and Bandeaki playing at that higher level, that they do encourage they do encourage um, the, 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 the younger players or the less experienced players. The other thing is, I think if you go to training session, you will notice that there is a hell of a lot more communication between all of these players. They talk, talk, talk all the time. They're always talking, communicating to each other. And I think that's an incredibly vital thing that they are doing so that everybody on the pitch knows what each other is going to do. And I think uh, Donnie Pullman said this evening and when it came to the influence of Mills Muniaina, the fact that he's always telling him when he's on the pitch you know, how, you know, what he's going to do, where he's going to be, what you know, and I think this sense of communication now, I think, has, has, has been incredibly um, you know, positive for Connacht and, and for those young backs. Yeah, and, and like I've been at one or two of the sessions and there's another one on Tuesday which I, I hope to get to because it, it's, it's great to see... Part of the reason that they're all communicating is that everybody's involved. 
you've got you've got you know the, the younger guys in the in the academy all the way through. So you've got about forty guys, 50, 45 guys out there anyway. Hey, listen, let's stop here. Let's get a bit of audio. By the way, we're in the clan bar. That's what all the talk is. You guys have been talking so much. I haven't been able to tell people where we are in the clan bar. I'm <laughs> oh, leaving that aside. <laughs> leaving that aside. Yeah, maybe I should work on my intros. When we get back, we'll just see where the season's going, and that'll be the second part of the podcast. But talking to Pat Lamb, I spoke to him. I'm going to uh, edit in a couple of Lindy's questions as well because uh, there were better questions than mine. She asked the good ones. That's what happens in these press conferences. Okay, Pat, um, first of all, that was actually quite an entertaining game compared to the Leverchel match. And in the second half, you know, I'm sure you can take a lot of positives out of the way Connacht got things together and sorted it out. Yeah, it was a, it was a good one. Emphasis on good, not, mm. not great. It was, uh, you know, we, we achieved the goal of a look after sports ground for 2014. That's closed off and um, uh, got the bonus point, got the win, got the bonus point. I think uh, um, I think we, we, we spoke about if we we, have too, we had too many troughs in that game, too many going up and down in the game. The pleasing thing when we were down is the boys regrouped and got back into it. But we're just saying, you know, building into what's coming up uh, away from home, beyond, and then obviously Leinster, Ulster, Munster. We can't afford to have those sort of troughs. We've got to try and be more, get more consistency in our game. But you know, in saying that, tough conditions to score. The quality of some of those tries were uh, was pleasing. Um, so, but yeah, we're forever trying to perfect and uh, and improve. So, um, we're, we're yeah, we're happy with uh, the outcomes. You believe we're in the stats side of things that like can help players in the sense that Danny has now got five tries and Bundiaki got his first try. Do you think that kind of stuff matters and helps players kind of develop in terms of oh, I've broken the duck, I've got a try, or in Danny's case, I'm really building a great tally of tries now. Also, um, I will say this: it's no coincidence that those two guys are playing well. And we're starting to score tries at the back since Mills Mulyaina arrived. Mm. I think um, his uh, presence, his voice, and his uh, you know all that mentoring, like like he said when he first came, is one is one side. What he has to be on the field. That's what he's aiming for. But uh, their positioning play and their confidence is on the back of Mills driving them. You know, of course the work and also the work Andre Bell's doing with the backs as well. So. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's uh, it's pleasing those guys are scoring, and particularly in those conditions, you'd expect the start. Well, well, forwards will have to do the work and do the morning, and fair play, the forwards put a lot of good work in, and they did get one more try. Um, but on the back of that, I mean, it was uh, a great try of set piece where Danny scored his first one. The, the one before, just before half time, was outstanding. Um, you know, the, the handling through through, through un, you know through that under pressure. Um, so all and Dave McSharry's one offset piece too was good too. So um, yeah, those are things happy. But there's moments in the game where I think um, you know we we we're not happy with. And um, but the players all mentioned it, and, and we'll go back. And we know we've got a bigger challenge this week uh, away from home now. Sports going crowd on Tuesday. Teams coming out after halftime and scoring against Connacht, and, and you know usually Connacht have them figured out by that stage. So I mean that was kind of a point where we were talking about troughs. That's probably it was a, like a real kind of moment of what, what are we doing here in 1915 down. Yeah, I, I think um, I think the big one was that. We, um, you know, we we, had, we showed some clips at half time on on where opportunities are, and then our defensive line too was uh, really tight around the rucks, and they were getting offloads away. And then the, probably the biggest one compared to last week was our tackle quality. We were we weren't as accurate on the tackles um, as we were the week before. And um, but once you improve that and put pressure on, then you know then we we came home strong. So, um, but again, the good thing is we achieved those outcomes, but. We know we'll, uh, there's some key things we have to tidy up before we go over there. Yeah, you're going to manage resources just to finish yeah. and, and, and how much momentum can be lost if, if that goes against you? 
Well, I think there's a big plan, and you know, like you're only allowed to register. We only allow 38 registered players, and we have a lot of guys. We have a few that are injured, so um, I think you can see, you know, McCartney's injury doesn't look too great, uh, but you can see. You imagine we come back from Bayon with injuries and niggles. I mean, these boys are physically. You saw the size of them. Jeez, when I ran out at half time, they are massive boys, and um, you know, it's easy for us to say the tackle quality, but you're, you're, you're tackling guys 120, 130 kilos and six foot eight monsters. Um, and um, you know that takes us to we have a six day turnaround before Leinster, which is our bread and butter. So we got to we we we're going to sit down as a coaching group. We, we've already planned what we're going to do, but we just got to see how the guys got out of the got back from the Eagles, got back today, and then we'll um, we'll confirm that when we name the team. Danny, that's a great win for Connacht tonight in the end, uh, but you really had to work for it. At one stage, it was I think it was nine three in the second half. They had a line out in your twenty two, and it was just starting to get a scrappy afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah, it's almost deja vu from last week. We don't have a great start, and uh, like Pat said, it's a bit of ill, Ill discipline and uh, just silly penalties giving away. And uh, with the wind, like they get the distance and the kicks, no matter where you concede the penalty. So obviously something to work on, but uh, at least it shows that we can. Like in the past, probably if we were behind, we wouldn't be able to fight back, and we probably get like morale would go down, and we wouldn't be. Able to do what we did but that's just a real positive to come back from points down and really fight and get a good win the back line is shaping up well now isn't it you're up to five tries you've got a couple here today like how important is the players around you to the tries you're getting I was just like we really work do a lot of video work and even just walking through where guys supposed to run and uh, what uh, play is supposed to target and I mean tonight we ran it and I just ran the line and Dave McShay ran a beautiful line and just pulled the guy in and the, the hole was open for me so it's all about everyone in the back line doing their job and that'll create the space and Jack just picked the right hole so it was a great teamwork Point of view, Danny. what has had been the influence of um, Mills since he's arrived on the back line? He just, like, he just brings a lot of experience. Like, I know that's cliche, everyone says he brings experience, but in the team room, uh, if we do a video analysis, he'd uh, give loads of tips to the lads to what lines to run and where to change angles and where we might use a, a, a player differently to create more space for the guys outside or where we want to strike. So, uh, and he's just like in phase play, you know, like when he says something to you, you just trust it because you know, like he's got the experience. You know, he knows what he's talking about. And just, it, I think the first time I played with him against Zebra, I was really lifted by his presence. And I think that's just something he doesn't have to do anything; just be there, kind of just lifts everyone. Yeah, yeah, Are we yeah. going to bring up the fact that I thought the Georgian started a prop? That, or you want us mowing side of that, or we can go back to mowing the sand? Uh, no, 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 hang on. As, that's as for not knowing, not reading the text that we were sending him of who was coming off the field, and he goes, "Oh, that's scrum half's come on. Oh, the other scrum is still on." And we're looking at each other, going, "We told him that ten minutes ago." <laughs> exactly. You're not on the ball tonight. No. I actually was very distracted tonight. I don't know what's wrong with me. Anyways, leaving that aside, Lindley, Connacht Rugby, where we are right now. Can you, could you ever imagine that we were going to be going into a away game in the Challenge Cup, resting, I think we could rest up to 15 players next week if we want to speculate on that. What do you reckon? Well, it's whether we should or whether we can or whether we're able to and whether we aren't yeah. able to. And I think Pat Lamb has, has has very clearly said that to manage the squad on the back on uh, ahead of Leinster, Ulster and Munster, he has to involve every single player. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious that to do that, then travelling to Bayonne is going to be a few changes. And I don't think Pat's going to, Pat Lamb would go to Bayonne with a severely uh, weakened side. It just means that he might have to manage one or t- a few key players and give them a rest. Yeah, because the Eagles are still playing. And then the AIL games are on. So kind of, uh, Corinthian, Galwegians and, and Buccaneers will not be too pleased with fellas being taken out of their systems. They have leagues too. Well, 
change them. It depends on who comes back. We don't know about the situation with Nihi and Ian Porter. Ali played today, so he'll probably come into contention. I think he'll rest. I mean, Mick, the big injury out today is Mick Kearney. That looks bad. Quinn Rue was limping before that and limped through the entire game. Um, I gave him a, a not a shout for Manamat simply because he was quietly effective again and was on one leg so Quinn will be rested but there's other issues there's minor technical issues but well, John Cooney's not eligible for the competition Bundy came in and t- why? I th- I because, because he'd be cup tied with Leinster if they need him back we have him for the year no it's only six months uh, and same for Quinn Rue isn't that right? Um, well I asked that question of uh, Pat last, last week and or two weeks ago and they are trying to negotiate with Leinster to keep both players Ooh, in the okay. sports ground for the rest of the season but that is still ongoing Discussions. See, this is why we have Lindy on the podcast. Otherwise, we would have spent three minutes just speculating. <laughs> Nonsense. Anyway, Absolutely. Leaving well, that aside, uh, Quinn Rue. Uh, by the way, great show for Quinn Rue with Man of the Match. We didn't give him enough credit last week. We don't give him enough credit ever. He's such an underrated player. I think he's still suffering from the fact that 18 months ago he had a terrible six-month spell with Leinster. And he, that, I, mean, that's, I mean, we appreciate what he's doing. It's like and same with the, a lot of these guys. We appreciate what they're doing. But the wider media either doesn't notice him in the case of the local boys, or in Quinn's Rue, Rue case, has simply never forgotten the fact that he did have a bad six-month but that can happen to any player. Mm. We've seen the best of him. He's quite—he's he, not spectacular, we, you know—and he doesn't stand out. Which for a guy who's six foot six foot seven's buck is very unusual. But he had quietly effective. And like I say, I was very impressed with him because he did—he he, he started every mall simply by taking good catches. He's got a good working relationship with Tom McCartney and with all the uh, and who's who stepped up to the plate coming off the plane. And as I said, he did—he limped—he limped onto the pitch. He limped off the pitch, and much more much more was put onto him once Mick Kearney had to go off and also a big heads up for Swifty long time out of the game 37 years out and did 76 minutes you can't take that away from him William I got the impression that they probably had a plan to just get a certain amount of time out of Quinn Rue and then Swift to do his job but Kearney's injury meant Rue had to go through hell there for a while I think. yep he did he, is, uh, he did limp on and he limped around the pitch their number 12 also limped along and eventually nearly substituted himself after about 65 minutes he just walked over to the touchline and said I'm coming off um, <laughs> Yeah, it was a good effort by Swifty as well. The line-out seemed to work a little bit better when he was around. I don't know, I don't know whether he was calling it or some of the lifting. but He, he robbed a couple at the front. He did, yeah. It was, um, th- they got stuck in there. We're, we, we're inclined sometimes not to tackle the opposition line-out. And Sonekli last week were just getting away with calling whatever they wanted. So maybe an old head there tonight was prepared to, to try to mix it up a bit. They also had a little dust up with French guy and no, which was quite good I think he won that on points if it was boxing yeah the dust up with the London Scottish player last week yeah just going just going back to Quinn Rue it's something I was told when I was younger and, and it's something I watch for in players if you don't notice a player especially in the pack the chances are he's doing a lot of good work Simon Easterby was the, was the ultimate player who was fantastic I remember my dad asked me once what does he do and I said he does a lot of dirty, hard work that annoys people and gets in people's way and whatever. You just don't see it on the TV, but when you go to a match, you see an enormous amount of work. And Quinn Rue has been brilliant this year. I'm trying to think of some of the Welsh back rowers who annoy us in the Pro 12. We do exactly what we're talking about. Like Shingler with uh, Cletley or Turnbull or guys yeah. like that. We keep coming up against these guys. and they... oh, Mike McCarthy with Leinster. Mike McCarthy yeah. with Leinster. That's a great call. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of Leinster, good, good segue. Uh, and two, Donnybrook, I'm on the far terrace, I'm in the middle of it, Connacht against uh, Leinster, I guess it was a one point ball game, Eric Elwood lines himself up in the pocket Leinster converge on Connacht's hero number 10, and meanwhile Mark McHugh's the other side of the ruck, no one's on him, ball goes back to him, he had four and a half minutes to line up a drop goal, do you remember it? What a day 
last time Connacht won away from home, Lily. Can you believe they've gone 36 games or something like that? I'll have the numbers by next week. It must be up to near 40 now without winning away from home against an Irish province. It's a pretty stacked statistic, isn't it, really, yeah. when you think about it. I think there's been some very close close ones, especially in the last few years. I think there have been a few dodgy calls, or one would say dodgy calls, that have, that have kind of... Um, but... You know, it's 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 something we can turn around this time. I mean, if we haven't, such, you know, it's well, it's going to be tough. Of course, it's going to be tough. I mean, going to Ulster is, is you know, I mean, God, the, the record up in Ulster is, a, you know, a hell of a lot, you know, worse than anything else. You know, when it comes to the other the, the, the provinces, that's that's always that's always a, a tough one. Um, I think the RDS is the best chance, isn't it? Friday week. Home, home against Munster. Well, no, I'm talking about the two away games. Provinces away. Well, I think the Munster ones have been reasonably close as well in Drummond Park, you know, and I think think if you could sneak one or other of those, you know, that you, you would be, you'd be doing well. William, it doesn't matter in theory, if we keep winning our home games, Alan always says, and I think we all agree with him, if we keep winning our home games and maybe dig out the away wins that we've done already, like Treviso and Edinburgh, that's fine. But it does matter in another sense, because one of those trophy victories that's a new platform if you win away from home against an Irish province. Yeah, I think um, if he comes out of those three in 13 days with no wins, it will actually start off to the 2015 part of this season quite badly. Do you think so? Yeah. I, I do. We yeah, need to be, and which, which means what you're really saying is we need to get that win over Munster because that's the most realistic. Yeah, yeah you, need, you need to turn Munster and I mean they've, they've lost this evening and they'll be smarting um, and I think they'll send a it's, it's almost an impossible job for all of the team managers to manage uh, and we've got three in 13 days Leinster have three in 15 days they've got to go to Thoman Park immediately after playing us uh, and Ulster and Munster are actually playing the Ospreys in Glasgow the weekend we're playing Leinster. So okay, right. it, it, is, it is huge pressure to juggle these teams around, these 23-man squads, to try to get 23 guys on the team, team sheet and get them out there playing as a unit. It's a crazy... The schedule's crazy, frankly. I, I'm going to start with Alan on this and see if I just want to row, row into on this. But Paul Kimmage is writing a lot of stuff about, you know, what's going on in the background of rugby. And, you know, it's not all hit on hard facts, but it's all questions that are very fair to ask. And just when you bring that up, William, like schedules like this. Well, this is it. They're, they're trying to make rugby like soccer. You know, you can't... R- r- soccer players do not take the hits that rugby players do so you cannot expect guys to be able to recover five or six days after playing a game where they've you know they come off in car crash situations and you're expecting them to go back out and do it again and this is the question that Kimmage is, is raising and, and he is only asking the question he's not pointing fingers he's asking the question he's saying is there a debate out there is there something going on now when it comes to the youth and he brought up about the youth guys and he talks about the culture of, of these things the IRFU two years ago two years ago stated that you know it is not good for supplements for kids they don't want anyone under 18 they got a nutritionist on or a dietitian I can never remember which one is the official one and you know sent out a whole load of information came through the schools and the clubs which was great because I'm, I'm a firm believer that you don't do that certainly for kids who are still growing so there is an awareness but it's you do wonder how do these fellas manage to keep doing all these car crashing stuff in those short periods of time I think 
it's like most of these things. It, it, the, the one group of people you wouldn't talk to, or the, or you might have to not listen to, is the players. Because they, I mean, we've seen it with the concussion issue. Ex-players as well. Oh no, I bring ex-players on board because I mean, it's the current players because they're primary. Every current player who is who, who thinks he's capable of being on the pitch will want to be on the pitch. They will. They will. Okay, yes. I mean, I mean, my. I think it's, it's the concussion issue was was highlighted. The, the group they started to the players in the old days would say I'm fine I'm one back end we've seen the problems with that I think we need to look at it in a more holistic approach that, and we're talking about physical the physical wear and tear and we, we have to look at what's coming down the line because I mean as we saw with the concussion issues and we've seen it in American football yeah, yeah. And I mean there are serious issues arising there in terms of not just in football but in hockey as well about the concussions issues and in rugby as well we are looking about guys very few guys and, and I, my background is GA my family is it's a, we, uh, GA is high impact but not as high impact as rugby and both my uncles are inter-county players and both have had to have their hips removed and they're not even 60 yet so we can see this coming down the line uh, we can see this coming to line up with a much more with players are bigger. So in twenty fifty in twenty years time, how do you not have a group action being taken against the the IRFU, against the against the R, any of the, the you know the IRB about the impacts that were happening and they're coming back to because they were asked to play they were asked to go six day turnarounds, five day turnarounds, yeah. th- as we say three games in thirteen days, and probably the thing that really does drive my head in. Why don't we just, if we're going to have autumn internationals, and there's going to be three weeks of autumn internationals, the fourth game of the Welsh State, that's purely for money, that's their own business. But why is there a game played on the third weekend of that? Why not allow club players. Just a Pro 12. Yeah, yeah just Pro 12 um, and, and the Premiership in England and all the. Why not give those guys the three weeks off? Why yeah. not just do that? Because all the detention is going to be in this national game. The teams are under strength. Why not let them rest up? Now, I know we benefit from the fact that the Welsh are under strength and the Scots are under strength, but why not allow those players to build so that when they do have to play three games in three, in three weeks, it's not, in, it's not at the end of nine games in 12 weeks. It's in the game of like seven games in 13 weeks, something like that. Lindy, they, they do it better in, in the Southern Hemisphere in terms of how they balance the different segments of the season. Yeah, I think they have a, they have a, a very kind of... Um what's the word to say a formula whereby you know it goes from one competition to the next to the next to the next and it, it, it starts with the, the biggest competition as in, in the southern hemisphere that you know the super 15, 16 whatever it's going to be soon yes super rugby, yeah, super, uh, rugby. Um, and then at the end of the, at the end of that they go into their their local competitions the NPC and the ITM Cup etc etc um, which may, means some if there are any internationals the internationals can go into the ITM Cup or if they're on a, an, an international tour they'll go on the tour as well so I suppose it's just it's just difficult I think in the northern hemisphere to get to get everyone to balance from starting say from club rugby into alongside of of interprovincial then European rugby in terms in terms of the physicality and and the knocks people are taking I think even if you talk to Bandayaki he will say that Northern Hemisphere rugby is a is a lot is a lot more physical than than Southern Hemisphere rugby. Now, if that's got something to do with possibly the ground conditions, as in they always play more running rugby. But I also notice one other thing, and that is, it is and that is underage rugby. Underage rugby in New Zealand, I think up until under 12, is purely ball schools and running. There is no tackling. There is really? no... T- so it's, when it's, you watch the minis out there, and you, like, it's, it's just incomparable to what you might watch at halftime in the in Super up Rugby. Up until, I think, I think it's either under 10 or under 12, yeah. there is, there, in New Zealand, there is, there, it's all just more touch rugby. But they it's, love the contact, or is that just us? Is that, are, are we misrepresenting well, no, so, so many kids like the contact. But Mills, Mills made a point last week in the, in the programme where I, I, the bit I picked out 
you know, he was asked what's the biggest difference he's found between the coach and he said, well, look here, people do a lot more weights and they focus more on the physicality. Down there, it's all about skills. Now, I'd be always in favour of the skills every time, every time. I wonder if we go, again, this is going back to a lot of the smaller clubs, especially seeing those, there were four clubs tonight that are not from what we regard as traditional sport, uh, sport, uh, rugby grounds. Um, I wonder if the fact is, is that we're so used that the main sports we grew up with is, is GA. GA starts, you, you have under eight competitions, under ten competitions, and it is about winning. And in rugby, yeah. the yeah. bigger kid gets the game. You always pick the big kid because he'll win you the game. And I think if that might, I mean, I mean, I wonder if it's just a, is it a legacy from GA starts young, which is which is dumb as well. And GA starts young with competitions and winning. And it's coming into rugby, and that feeds into another. Well, how do you ensure you win your competition and the kids get to win? Well, you pick the bigger kids. Therefore, how does a kid who is a little bit smaller get to win? We can either wait for puberty and, 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 and natural, natural course of things to take hold, or he can do a small, catered weight courses. And that, it's, it's, it's total lunacy at this stage. Yeah, so we yeah. can't really we can't really address the question about drugs in rugby, William. But what we can address is is where well we can we can speculate or like I worked in a rugby team for two years. I can guarantee I didn't see any sign of it. But 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 I think what Paul Kimmage is saying is you won't see any sign because it's not like the Paul it's not like the Lance Armstrong situation where they're on a bus injecting themselves. He's not saying that. What he's saying is all the stuff they're taking, all the little stuff that's legal, is wrong. And the worst part of this part is no one even understands that it's wrong. They don't they don't even have time. There's no moral question here because. They're just trying to survive. Yeah, and the the other issue is what are they playing with? You know, who's getting an injection the day before yeah. the game or an injection the day after the game or having... Um, I'm you not know, even sure if that's you, you, comparable you hear, to the cycling cheating then. Like. And you hear amazing stories about American football about guys having three and four drains put into them at the halftime interval to drain off fluid off knees, shoulders. Yeah. And... Does that go on in rugby? Maybe. I don't know. You, you, we don't know because it's a closed world. Professional sport only lets in a certain amount. And there's, an, a, there's a bit of a murta because when they retire, they still only give you a certain amount. It, it, very few people break out. I, I think there is an issue with performance-enhancing drugs. There's, there's been guys picked up in the UK for taking products that are not supplements, um, and that's sort of buzzing around, but it's it's usually younger guys who are trying to make their way in the sport. And the danger there is that somebody says, "Take this, you'll be fine. Nobody will check you. You'll be grand." Um, and a lot of the time, younger lads could go through a whole season only playing two or three games as well because they're in a big panel, they're a big squad, they're playing club games where there's never any testing, and all of a sudden they can shoot into a game and 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 playing for a first team, and and then the temptation is there. Yeah, there's, I'm of the firm opinion that within, you say, five, ten, maybe ten years, you're going to be looking at 35 player rosters sitting on a bench before a rugby game starts. Like you know, the, the, the story Kemich talked about is it's, it's um, Benizek. He was, a, he was a, a hooker, a prop for France, and he was a, a fabulous prop. But he played pre-pro rugby. He came in the 90s. He was the late 90s, but he wasn't there when the pro rugby kicked on the way it is now. So, yes, you know, guys can get big and they get big quick. I looked at my son putting on eight or nine kilograms, and all he was doing was eating everything in my house as well as taking some protein. 
I can't remember which one it was, whatever protein it was. But he did put the weight on. Now, he wasn't able to sustain it because his ligaments and his knees and everything is just, you know, and that, that's part of the problem is that it, look at the injuries a lot of the guys are getting their knee ligaments. And oh, he's a good rugby player and all they told him was to get bigger. Yeah, yeah, get, get bigger. bigger. That's yeah. all that matters. And, and but I think, I think as well, if you, if you listen to Pat Lamb, at the end of last season, he put every single player on a programme to put on weight. Yes. Now, in, and, in, and, in and, and Yes, in a control man. And the reasoning for that obviously was because with a smaller squad like, mm. like Connacht have, they're going up against bigger fellas time and time out and they had to they literally had to strengthen themselves to be able to take to take all that but if you also notice that their their training is very monitored and whenever they have an injury it's extremely well monitored by by all the backroom staff and that if a player does take a hit um, and they have a slight injury then for the rest of the week they probably won't train there'll be you know so there's there's so much there's so much um, professionalism behind i think rugby and rugby in ireland that i don't think there can be any i don't think people are prepared to take risks anymore with with players yeah just talking about that dennis buckley was in the irish independent yesterday i think he put on First time does it? Do apologise. <laughs> I only spotted it online. Lindley may well know something about that. <laughs> and it, but he was making the point that he's put on 10 kilos under instruction and he didn't want to because he thought he would lose his mobility. And they convinced him that he would um, be able to still be mobile, but he just needed to bulk up. And he did it. He did it during the summer. And it, it's obvious when he came back for the first game of the season, I went, ah... But it looks like muscle. It wasn't old-style. Of course, the question is, how? <laughs> well, but is, is in that, and maybe just, I'll go to you, Dave, then, Lindley, just on that, and, and, and take, it in, if you take it away, Dave, then. Is, isn't that the point, though? Don't they, don't they need to come out? The RFU a couple of weeks ago took the journalist into the Aviva Stadium. I missed this, and it had a concussion awareness mm. chat. Um, those kind of things. Don't they need to just come out front and centre? Like just try and tell us more and open up their doors more to more documentaries, more like because you and I can see it and Dave can see it a little bit because we're a bit closer to it, but supporters don't see it and maybe other journalists from other sports like Paul Kimmage don't see the professional work that's going and, on. And, well, possibly it's because we're covering it week in week out and yeah. that we do yeah, yeah. see it that we don't we don't need to sort of ask those questions. Maybe it's only when a, uh, a journalist like Paul Kimmage or someone else mm. who doesn't cover rugby on a on a regular basis comes out and asks these questions and tries to compare one sport with rugby. Does the IRFU have to open its doors to explain to Paul Kimmage and journalists like that who don't cover rugby week in, week out? I don't know. Well, I think... Well, it's, it's, it's at least we're talking about it. This is what he wanted. This, it went, yeah, and it's you know, right we're talking about it. We can't right we're talking it. about it, absolutely. Um, Kimmage clearly has history of exposing this sort of thing in the past. So if he's asking questions, clearly he has a doubt in the back of his mind. Well, I'm going to do a compare and contrast. You look at Dennis. Wait, wait, I've been up close to Dennis. Dennis has been on ten kilograms. It's almost exclusively in his lower body. I mean, he's big, but he's not. I mean, he's, he never strikes you as being huge. None of our players ever come across as gargantuan. No. I mean, the thing that threw me last week was how small Mondiaki is. Dennis is one of our biggest. Big Mills Muliauna. Mills yeah, Muliauna is small. Yeah. But, um, Dennis is our, our first attack. Dennis is, well, he's, we all know he's not tall, but it's, he's not. 
he doesn't have shoulders that go out through the door. Mm. Rodney's probably our biggest player. Rodney has, is a hell of a lot smaller now than he was two or three years ago. Yeah, yeah. So we'll take this up another week. Lads, I'm, I'm going to give Lindley the final word because I, I just want, we should be gone in a couple of weeks. No, I just want to ask you one question. <laughs> one question. One question just to finish. I genuinely want just your quick overall opinion of where we are right now and whether, how enthusiastic or calm or pragmatic are you about Connick's current position overall? All of those things. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> that is. She's enthusiastic, calm, and pragmatic. Okay, fair enough.